Well, last week we began the message series called The Spiritual Life. And the purpose of this series is to help us learn how to look at our own lives and how we're living them using some questions from um, the founder of Methodism, John Wesley, who used those questions in small groups of the early Methodists. Now, most of the early Methodists were Anglicans, and John Wesley was an Anglican priest who was concerned that people were not practicing the faith they professed. And so the reason we have the name Methodism is he developed a method for bringing people on a journey of discipleship that involved asking these questions. Last week, the question we began with was, where have I missed the mark, or where have I sinned this week? And this week, we're going to ask a second question that's pretty closely related to that one. The question is, what temptations am I struggling with? Or maybe in more modern language, what is distracting me from my relationship with God and God's purpose for my life? And you can see how those two things are related. Lucky for us, as is often the case, there's a section of Scripture in a couple of the Gospels that talks about Jesus being tempted and how he handled those temptations. So this morning, we're going to take a look at Matthew's Gospel, how he tells the story of the time after Jesus went into the wilderness and fasted for 40 days and was tempted by the evil one, the devil, Satan, um, and how Jesus responded. And we're going to look at that text one temptation at a time, because there were three temptations, and each of those tempted Jesus to do something a little different that wouldn't have been right, and we face those same kind of temptations today. So his responses should be helpful to us. The first question came from the devil, um, and I'll, I'll be reading from Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, and this is where the devil entices Jesus, or tries to entice Jesus, to doubt God's provision. This is how the text reads. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. There's a couple things happening in those few short sentences. Jesus undoubtedly was hungry after 40 days. It would have been very tempting to use his powers as God's son. But the devil couches his question first by challenging that, saying, if you are God's son. It's like, do this to prove it. How many of you, when you were little kids, I hope you're not still doing this, but when you were little kids, did somebody say they could do something and you'd point at them and say, prove it, show me. Or are you from Missouri, the show me state? I won't see it unless I believe it. So the devil was tempting Jesus to prove who he was. But he was also tempting him to be self-reliant to act on his own behalf because he would have 
doubted God's ability or willingness to provide for him. He's urging Jesus to be independent of the Father and to be self-reliant. And there is nothing we love to teach in America more than pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and being self-reliant, but that doesn't work in our spiritual lives. In our spiritual lives, we need to be God-reliant. Jesus' response When he says, man does not live by bread alone, he's reminding us that there's a spiritual side to life that needs to be prioritized. And that is the lesson of the first temptation. The second temptation involved testing God. And this is how the story continues in Matthew. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. I mean, I I love this one. Basically, this illustrates the situations we face when we do really dumb stuff on purpose, and then we say, God, please protect me from the consequences. That's basically what the devil's tempting Jesus to do. Go ahead, throw yourself off the building, test God's faithfulness. And if Jesus had done that, he would have been asking his father to prove that he was indeed faithful. And the trouble with testing God this way There's lots of trouble with it, but one of the big troubles with it is often when we do something like this, we do something we shouldn't do, we do something that's reckless, we do something that's stupid, God has not led us to do that thing, and then we test his faithfulness and his love by asking him to save us from ourself. Not a good thing. And we face that sometimes, don't we? And again, the devil uses the words, If you are the son of God, tempting Jesus to prove he is who he says he is. You know, this happens in real life all the time. You know, you hear the stories, this is just a hypothetical, not thinking about anybody in the room, of of the friend who says, look, if you're really my friend, you're going to help me cover up what I was doing last Friday night by a cover story so my wife doesn't find out or my husband doesn't find out. If you're really my friend, do this thing. And sometimes we're the better friend when we don't assist someone in giving in to temptation, aren't we? Now the third temptation is the one I really want to focus on today because it's one that's insidious. It sneaks up on us without us even knowing it. It's it's a temptation to try to attain God-like status. Now, I'm not talking about trying to become more Christ-like and having God's character. I'm talking about trying to have the power, the authority, the status of God as a prideful thing. And this is how the third test unfolded. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. 
Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. Friends, we worship false idols every day to attain wealth, power, status, position. Sometimes we attain those things by crawling over other people. Sometimes we attain them by putting other people down. And it's something that the world entices us to do so easily through marketing, through politics, you name it, that we don't even recognize it as we fall into that trap. We have to be careful about this temptation to attain godlike status. It's been a problem that humans have struggled with from the Garden of Eden. I'm going to read for you a little piece of text from Genesis chapter 3. It's when Eve is having the conversation with the serpent. Listen to the words that the serpent says to entice and tempt. This is Eve speaking first. God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. He tempted the humans not to be satisfied by being children of the creator who had a constant presence with their creator. He tempted them to want more, to become godlike in stature and status. Now, we may not be tempted by a talking serpent today, but we're, talk, we're tempted by infomercials, we're tempted by the media, we're tempted by politicians, we're tempted by political parties, we're tempted by our peers, we're tempted by the companies we work for. The world tempts us every day to idolize things to put them ahead in priority of our relationship with God and are seeking to become more like Christ. Think about it. We all know families that have argued about wealth in the aftermath of a death, siblings who grew up together fighting over an estate. We're tempted to show off our smarts or our children's smarts. Remember the new story about the mom who helped her child cheat on the SAT test so they could get a scholarship or get in a good school? We want the world to know we're smart. We're tempted to attain power. It's exhibited in this country every couple years during our national elections by people on both sides and the independents too. I'm not picking on any one group here. We're tempted to gain authority over others so we can show off our power. Think of that one worst boss you ever had who micromanaged you, who denigrated you, who demeaned you in front of coworkers, who put you down to look more powerful themselves. Many of us have had that boss at one time or another. And I haven't had that boss here at St. Paul, let me be clear. That's not what I'm talking about. I was thinking more like the army. <laughs> but here's one, and I'm, I'm serious now. You know, sometimes we attempt to be godlike and attain godlike status by seeming more righteous than we are. 
We don the righteousness of Christ like we did it ourselves. We become self-righteous rather than truly righteous. And in our self-righteousness, we do things that push people away from the church and that push people away from the Lord. And when we do that, we're actually idolizing how people see us in terms of our relationship with God. We want people to see us better than we are. And that is a sin of pride that we should not find in the church today. I have been guilty of that sin at times. I'll leave you to answer the question for yourself about whether you struggle with that too. You know, the Apostle Paul, we talked about him a little last week. He had some words of confession that were helpful that we're going to revisit in a moment. But the Apostle Paul was disgruntled a little bit with the church in Galatia. He wrote them a letter because they were backsliding. They had accepted Christ, and then he learned they were doing some practices that were mixing their faith with some pagan practices. And this is what he said to them. Before you Gentiles knew God, you were slaves to so-called gods that do not even exist. So now that you know God, or should I say that God knows you, why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of this world? The world we live in today still has weak and useless spiritual principles that they would like us to follow. And we can be like those Galatians. We can fall back. But the good news is, it's not in somebody else's control. We get to make choices about what tempts us, and we don't have to do it alone. I read you a passage from the book of Romans last week, and I read it from the message because some of the translations are really hard to follow. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation today. This is Paul making a confession to the church in Rome, and he says, And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? So Paul is acknowledging here that he can't fight the temptation alone. Paul, the great apostle who planted churches all throughout Greece, the Holy Land, Rome, Paul was one of the greatest church planner, if not the greatest church planner who ever lived, and he is acknowledging to us here today, 2,000 years later, that he couldn't fight temptation alone, but then he threw out that lifeline that we all need to be reminded of when he said, thank God, the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. We don't have to fight temptations alone. We can fight them together. We can help one another. We can read scriptures to get guidance We can ask the Holy Spirit to come in and fight with us. Nobody can beat the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit is fighting with us. We can overcome temptations, but we do backslide sometimes. And when we do, we need to go back to last week's message. We need to confess, dust ourselves off, and try again, but not try to do it alone. You know, this series is about the spiritual life, about the things we need to do to cultivate that life. And many of you here today, you're in worship. 
You're worshiping online from live stream, and we're glad that you are joining us from live stream. Because when you are worshiping with the body of Christ, you're engaging in a spiritual practice. When you pray, when you read scripture, when you do Bible studies, you're engaging in spiritual practices that will help you cultivate your ability to resist temptation. Last week I suggested to you that one of the ways that I try to cultivate my own spiritual life is by doing a prayer at the end of the day. Some people call it an examine prayer. I've heard it called the prayer of examine. And I told you that when I do that at night, I try to still myself and have it be quiet. And I try to identify things to thank God for, blessings that I enjoyed that day. And then I tried to evaluate my day to see where I missed the mark. Remember when we were talking about this last week? Well, this week I'd like to suggest to you, when you get to that part where you're reviewing your day to see where you could have done better, that you think of these three temptations that Jesus faced and you ask yourself, okay, when was I too self-reliant and independent today? When did I try to be in control of a situation that I should have given over to God? We do it all the time. I am terrible about that, just terrible. I wanna be in control, I wanna be large and in charge. And I know some of you are like that too. <laughs> and I love you dearly because I look in your face and it's like looking in the mirror. Or you could say to yourself, what did I do today that was really reckless and dumb hoping that God will protect me from the consequences I deserve? Maybe it's speaking harshly to a friend, hoping that they really didn't mind and they'll just pretend it never happened and that you won't have to own up to your angry words? Or what did I do today to try to gain advantage over someone else to satisfy my pride and ego? When did I try to exert my authority inappropriately? When did I try to gain or profit at someone else's expense? When did I try to uh, build myself up by putting someone else down? Those are the sins that hurt other people and we need to be mindful of those. So as you, if, if you decide that you want to do this examine prayer, I encourage you to think about your day in light of those three kinds of temptations and allow yourself to remember what Jesus said. We've all heard that story. And Jesus' response should be our response to the best we can with the aid of the Holy Spirit. We all make tough choices every single day, but we do have to recognize that they are choices. And this, gone, this has gone on since ancient times, before God came to us in the form of the baby, the Christ child, whose birth we just celebrated a couple weeks ago. You can go all the way back to the time right after Moses when Joshua was leaving, leading the people of Israel. And they were starting to stray. And Joshua was a good, strong leader. And he saw that the people were were straying, and this is what he said to them. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me 
and my household, we will serve the Lord. Joshua, Joshua was saying two things there. First, he was declaring publicly to everyone who he was going to serve. But he also reminded people that they had a choice. If serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself. And that's what we're called to do every day when we're tempted. He made a choice and he announced it. So let's ask ourselves right here, right now, will I choose self-reliance or God-reliance? Will I test God or will I assume by faith that God will care for me when I need his care? And lastly, will I allow my pride and my ego to cause me to try to be God-like in the eyes of other people? Or will I walk the path of Jesus with grace and humility? I know what I choose. What will you choose?